Okay, on this episode of the podium, I've got Transworld's Michael Antonovich. Anton, uh, I appreciate you coming on and doing the podium with me. Uh, your podium is going to be your top three favorite articles you've ever wrote and why. So just go ahead and, uh, if you would, start with your number three. Uh, number three would probably be that the uh, drug testing article that I wrote a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of time went into that thing just because it was such a, an intense topic, and it happened right as James had all of his issues, uh, which was just coincidental. We had planned it for, for a while, and it just kind of all happened on the same timeline. Wow, that's, that worked um, out, I guess. I mean, in your favor. Probably, yeah. <laughs> not his, but... Yeah, it was it was something that I had followed for, for years. You know, I, I really liked road cycling uh, growing up, and I would watch the tour every year and, the whole Lance Armstrong, Tyler Hamilton, Boyd Landis thing. I, I had read so many books about, you know, both sides. Did it happen? Did it not? This is how they did it. This is how they hit it. This was the process. These are the benefits, all of that. Um, I talked with so many people involved in moto mm-hmm. that I think at some point in time, I really was um, 100% confident that you know, almost everybody's doing this. Wow. And, and at that point, um, the more I talked to people, the more that I figured out, okay, it's not to that extent. There are things that maybe some people are skirting the rules on, um, which isn't good. You know, it's, it's, it's better to be completely transparent and go by the book because as we've seen with, you know, James or Kate Clayson or Brock Tickle, if you do have an issue if you do try to, to to go around it, very likely that it's your career will be over if you get caught. Yeah, it's you know sad the way that is set up right now. And I I don't think that I think that now in this era compared to like the early two thousands or the mid two thousands, um, I don't think that it's as rampant as it was. I think there are issues that guys could have be it like IV bag use or certain medicines that they take or use or whatever. I think that if they don't research all of that stuff, they could have very uh, serious implications on their career. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that it's to the extent of like, you know, HGH, you know, like growth hormones, testosterone, things like that, blood doping. I don't really necessarily believe that that's happening now. As okay. much. Um, I do think that it did happen in the past. Uh, I know, I mean, I know the guys did it. They've, there have been guys that have come out and said so in the past, but I don't think it was as rampant now as it, as it could have been or, or whatever, because everybody got fearful of the consequences. Yeah. So I think that that one, and that one was fun just because it was cool to put something that I was so passionate about at the time, um, to go through the research, do it like, an investigative journalist does things instead of just a profile that I do, you know, 12 times a year. For the right, magazine. right. Um, that makes sense. When you do an article like that and you're you're trying to set up interviews with guys, I mean, are you getting pushback? Like, you know, them not wanting to necessarily deal with it or, you know, trying to maybe even be deceptive? Um, I don't. I don't think that I really had an issue at that time. Um, I interviewed, you know, guys that have been on – the 24 hour a day, 365 days a year whereabouts program. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned about that. And I think that most moto guys have realized that if it is a situation like this, um, where it is 
something is either you break the rules or you don't. It's better to be open about it and just be like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is the process. This is this. Because then there's no way that they could have a question mark against them. Right. Uh, I got to talk to Alvin Baker about that. And that was probably one of the most important ones for me to talk to. Um, just because of like with Alvin's history with Ricky and everybody was just so, so confident that Ricky did something, you know, and then James and then RV and then Dungey and all these things. Uh, I don't really know. I can't say if things did or did not happen at that time. And I sure didn't think that Alvin was going to go, Oh yeah, we did this with Ricky or we did this (laughs) with this guy or we did this with that. Like no one's going to, completely destroy their career for a six-page article in a magazine, (laughs) you know? But the good thing was Alvin was pretty open in the fact that, like, the big takeaway from him was, if I did something wrong, if I made one of my guys, you know, go through a process or take a medicine or take a substance that, that was not by the book, do you not think that when they left me or when something would happen later on in their career or they go to or I go train another rider that they're not just going to blow me out. He goes, you do these things. You're in bed with this person forever. Yeah. You know, because, and, and that's a pretty, pretty, um, big statement. You know, I, I had never thought about it that way until Alvin said that. And, and again, I don't really know the details now, but just at the time it was cool to put everything black and white. These are the rules. These are what the benefits would be. If you were to use that thing, this is the people that that would have access to that. Here's what it would do. Here's the punishment. Um, faith in the whole WADA system is really, uh, as, as time has gone on since that article, uh, it's really, I wouldn't say shaken, but it's definitely changed. I think that uh, we're such a small sport and we're so low on the totem pole to them. Mm-hmm. They don't care. Hence why it's been 16 months since Cade got in trouble and they've never really done anything else with it. It's been, you know, where are we at? Almost six months since Brock got right. uh, his issue. Yeah. Nothing, you know, not, no dates have been confirmed. No, nothing. I think it's, I think it's bullshit. Yeah. I think that it's, it, it's definitely, it makes us as a sport look like amateur hour that, Either we don't have the pool with an association that we pay a lot of money to to organize us, or it's bullshit on the sport that we don't have the confidence to either try to go to bat for our riders or develop a system within ourselves because we have the money and we have the resources. Almost every sport has something. It's not that hard to get that test. It's not that hard to know what's happening within your athlete pool. You just have to go about doing it. Now, I think that at the time when the FIM and, and everyone went to WADA because it's a global thing and it's on you know such a large scale, mm-hmm. they had good intentions. You know, the infrastructure is there. You're going to be accredited just like all these other Olympic sports. That's great, but we're not on the level of all these other sports, and it takes so long to get an answer. There's not. They are very detailed. And, and they're very scientific at what they do, but what they say doesn't transfer over to the common person. So you can give me a list of all these banned substances, but how do I know what that substance is or where I would find it? You right, know I mean? right, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that they're – sometimes they're not very good at that communication point, and they're sure as hell not very good at the communication point when it comes to a punishment. 
Right. So uh, over time, my faith in that has definitely, uh, definitely altered. Uh, but it's something that we do need because we can't have guys out here doing these things, risking their, their health and their bodies and all these things to, to do this. Right. Um, it, it's just not good. There's so many health implications that could go wrong. Um, that, that could ruin someone's whole life, you know, and it's not worth that for, you know, another spot in the running order or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be smarter than that. And, Okay, so what's uh, what's your second favorite article you ever wrote? Uh, second favorite, I would think, would be um, I did this really good profile on Josh Grant a couple years ago. I think Josh is one of the few writers that that's ever been completely open about his struggles as far as you know finding a ride, mm-hmm. maintaining a ride, being injured, staying healthy, and then on top of that, all the personal life issues that happened amongst his family with his his mom taking so much money from the bank accounts that she was a co-signer on, you know, I mean, that really, really set Josh's and his whole family's life back tremendously. I don't think that Josh Grant would be a racer right now had that money not have disappeared because he would be financially safe. You know, he had big money rides from Geico Honda back in the day, factory Honda, JGR, you know, and, and he was completely open. Um, he even noted that, you know, he was suicidal at one point, and that's a pretty um, touching. It's a pretty sensitive topic in my family, uh, especially for for me. Um, I just I've I've lost friends and other people to it. That uh, I understand how how hard it is, and how a person could think that that would be their own solution. And the fact that Josh was open enough to admit that he had encountered that struggle in his life was huge. Um, Josh and Ashley and the boys are, are always really nice to us. You know, they do a lot for trans world. We do quite a bit of coverage for them mm-hmm. and just to put everything out on paper like that was just was good because I don't really see a lot of other athletes being that open. They're pretty guarded. Uh, I don't understand why athletes are so guarded in some ways because it's not like the media, like, I don't get a benefit if I, like, painted someone to, into a corner and tried to, you know, do some expose on how terrible terrible of a person they are or, <laughs> right, right, or yeah. you know, all their mental weaknesses or their, their issues or whatever. There's nothing that comes from that. I would hope that me coming to a writer and asking, like, hey, can I tell your story? And if they were open with me in the story, we could show people a true personality instead of just results sheets. I, there's so much more to Moto and all of these guys than just a result sheet right now. I mean, look at how Dean is playing up his personality. Bogle's playing up his personality. Chad's playing up his fan base. You have to be smart enough to, you know, realize that you can connect with someone else on a human level other than just, yeah, we ride motorcycles. And Josh's yeah. article really resonated with me that he was willing to do that. Yeah, that's so shows, that's like definitely up there. It shows a lot of that he has a lot of respect and trust in you and Trans World and Swap to 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 open up like that because yeah, I think a lot of these riders do have you know I sense I don't know Jason Anderson at all I've only talked to him maybe once but I sense when I look at him look in his eyes when I'm trying to talk to him that he does not trust me he doesn't know me and he really doesn't want to talk to me you know he does mm-hmm. it because he has to on press day but that's about it and so yeah that shows a lot. And- for you, that... I, and that's something that I really like. I, I've made it a point these last few weeks 
um, to, to explain to, to either the writers themselves or the people around them or the teams or someone like, Hey, we're not here to like screw you over. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, nothing, nothing beneficial will come from that. If I was to do something negative on Eli Tomac, Kawasaki's not going to be happy with us. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and, and realistically, and that's not on like a shoddy journalism. We're just trying to throw down at the writer's way. That's just my outlook in life. I'm not here to, to make my money or my income off of someone else's misfortune. Right. And, uh, and, and I really hope that more people understand that going forward because we're only going to grow if we'll help each other in our good times and in our bad times. Yeah. Now, have you ever, have you done an interview and started to write an article or something and, and had some, the person you interviewed come back and say, Hey, I really shouldn't have said what I said. Will you oh, cut that out? All the time. And do you and cut like, it out? Yeah. Um, because it's another one of those things that maybe it's a heat of the moment deal mm-hmm. that they say something that, you know, it's not, um, it's not going to make or break my article. Like if it's something that I would be like, well, well that changes the whole course of the thing. Like we have to find a middle ground here. Yeah. But if it's something that could like, there's never been something where a guy said something so outlandish or so radical or, or off the wall that I was like, Whoa, dude, like we, we, we can't even go near that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, that is in other forms of, you know, journalism, that would be a pretty taboo thing to do. And the fact that I admit that like shows that Moto is different than this because Agreed. this is an enthusiast thing. It's not, we're not, you know, solving world war issues or, <laughs> right, or yeah. financial problems. We're just dirt bike racers, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, anything that a guy says, like, it's not going to do them a favor to, to tarnish their reputation like that. Cause then exactly. it's going to make them, it's going to make everything harder for everybody. Sure. Yeah. I've you know, had... and we don't need, like, say someone said something like really racist or, or, you know, insensitive. Mm-hmm. And then we put that out there. Do we need to show this, the world on a public scale? Yeah, this is what we think. Because other people outside of Moto that don't know these guys could pick that article up. I mean, look how easy it is for some guy on Twitter, some nobody, to to tweet something, and then it becomes this you know news topic that goes on for days and days and days. Is that what we want for Moto? No, right. because then we're going to look like in edu- like uneducated backwoods hillbillies, you know. And and we're not. We're we're a very profitable, very fairly well informed uh we're demographic you know and, and there's a lot of growth that could come from that if we all try to not show all the bad shit sure yeah and i agree with that i've i've had to cut two separate things out of two different interviews in the last month and i you know i've had some people go, hey, why don't you just leave that in and well because they asked me to take it out you know and it's it doesn't it's not going to do any good it's not going to help us any no to, to leave it in and upset these people. And it's not, you know, like you said, it's not really that pertinent anyway. So I was just curious if, yeah, if you've, I, I figured you'd have that happen numerous times, but I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely like when it happens, it sucks yeah. because it did happen recently. And I was just like trying to argue the point that like, Hey, what was said is not that bad. Like mm-hmm. you have to say something about this though. Right. And the fact that I just didn't, I just let it go. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Uh, because what was said doesn't 
bring any more clarity to the situation. It was just a statement to make a statement. So to cut it, just, yeah, whatever. Like, gotcha. it was pretty apparent what the person thought about it, <laughs> and I let it go. Right. All right, well, let's uh, let's wrap this up with your number one favorite article. Um, it's pretty hard, and, like, honestly, it might not even be my favorite, but it's one that I'm pretty proud of. Okay. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, I got to just – I love Europe. I think everybody knows that. But Eric Pernard, I respect very, very highly, almost probably more than anybody else in the industry. He's, like, definitely in my top five. Um, he's a close friend. He's always been good to me. So in, I think it was 15, he, he lined it up that I got to go on three international trips from like Halloween until the end of the year. And I spent, I think it was like 21 or something days in Europe, uh, but between Bulgaria, France, Italy, and Switzerland. Wow. Um, and it was amazing because it was, you know, I got to do all of these things on this trip that I always wanted to do. I never thought I would see Bulgaria, you know, and, and. We, the way that we were treated in that country was incredible. Uh, the, the people were extremely nice. I got to hang around a bunch of my friends that are racers and athletes and other media guys. And it was fun. It was fun to go see this whole other way of life that's different than what I experienced in California. The food was incredible. The racing was good. Camaraderie was good. All that was great. Went to France a couple weeks later. Uh, unfortunately, it was when the Paris terrorist attack happened. Um, to be in a country that's going under that's going through that mm -hmm. at that time was, was so strange. It was like an experience. I was like totally safe and out of harm's way, but to have to like communicate to people back home, Hey, I'm okay to, is this race going to happen or not? Yeah, is this, yeah. Are we okay? Are we like, what, what are we going to do for the next three days? Uh, and then I had to go through those train stations on Monday morning through like where everything happened at. And it was just this very, um, surreal sensation to like go do all that stuff and and to like have that was very strange and then i went to geneva switzerland like three weeks later and geneva is probably one of my favorite races of the year just because it's like a big party and i got to meet so many other people there and like through these trips i've made so many friends in europe and i've gotten to see so many things but as far as the magazine came and went i made an article that was like every photo i took or every photo that was in that article was won by me. Every word that was in that article was won by me. Wow. That was that was something that I hadn't done before. Typically, you know, we have either Mike Emery or Don or Garth or Ryan, like Garth Mylon or Ryan Swanberg, or someone shoot the other photos while I do the words. And, like, it was a pretty big confidence boost for me that Don's like, okay, yeah, your photos are good enough. We can do it in here. Obviously, you know how to write, so you'll do that. And that's I have this, like, eight- or ten-page scrapbook of this time that I'll never get to go through again. And I have it like in print. And so I think that's my favorite one just because of like all the, the memories that are tied to that article. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I've never been to Europe and I hope that at some point our show grows to a point where maybe it can sustain itself and allow us to do some things like that. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. I, you're, you're very fortunate. And I'm pretty jealous of you getting to do when I, I see the things that you get to do and, you know, Mathis and weed and man, I just sit back and, I'm, I'm jealous, but I, I think you guys have earned your spot and you deserve it. And the work you do, man, is fantastic. And I love what you do for our sport. And like, and I appreciate you saying that, you know, and I, and I hope like that that opportunity comes for you, you know, and I, I would think that it does at some point down the road or you make it happen or whatever. Like yeah. 
Like, I mean, look how much fun you had at the nations a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> that was awesome. Dude, go to the one in the Netherlands next year. Like, yeah. Find the money to go because from where you're at, you know, Houston or Dallas, you can get a pretty cheap flight to Europe. Hotels and everything over there are pretty easy to get a cheap hotel. Rental cars are pretty cheap because it's such a travel culture over there. Mm-hmm. It's just getting there in the first place that's like the daunting part. Right, yeah. But, but like, and, and the fact that you said that, like, with my whole, like, lifestyle and career and all that stuff, I hope not to make someone jealous or envious or, like, look how great this is because I, I'm just doing it because it's what I feel is the right thing to do to promote motorcycling around the world. I want to show people how cool this is and that it doesn't just have to be this one way. Yeah. Not just Anaheim 1 and Red Bud right. and all these things. That there's, there's so much more that ties into this and that, you know, there's a kid in Geneva, like there's a kid in Switzerland or Italy or Bulgaria or, you know, wherever that's, that's equally as hyped about this stuff as we are in the United States. And I, I would love to show that side of their world to us just to be like, yeah, man, this is what they're doing over there. If, if, if ideally one day I would like to spend like a whole year or five years or whatever, like traveling around to different motorcycle cultures, like Southeast Asia, where it's blowing up now, where T-Team and Honda have production plants or, you know, going to like the Mecca of this stuff at Lommel or Austria or Czech Republic or Qatar, where it's not that big, but it's cool because it's basically a private race or whatever. Like motorcycling is so big. That sometimes we just think it's what happens on Saturday. Right, right, and, uh, yeah. I would totally love to show people just like kind of what Anthony Bourdain did. Like, yeah, man, we're all motorcyclists together, and this is how we all enjoy it. This is like a shared passion for everybody. Dude, I love that idea, man. I think, yeah, I think you're heading in the right direction with that stuff because it is – I mean, I, it, before I sort of started doing the media stuff, I was pretty much just in my own little world, you know, supercross, motocross, supercross, motocross. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, I, I didn't even pay attention to the GPs that much. And then recently, I, you know, especially after MX of Nations, I was like, holy crap. You know, I, I've got to next year, I've got to pay for the GP package on TV because I can't miss any of this. And, and mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's opening my eyes and reading your articles and, and hearing you talk. Yeah, it makes me want to experience more of the stuff that I'm in my comfort zone. I want to get outside of that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think it's awesome, man. And I appreciate you doing it. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad that people like it because, uh, it's, it's, it's cool to live out all the stuff that I wanted to live out. And I hope that it inspires other people. Like, Hey dude, take, like, take that trip, take yeah. that trip to Europe or take that trip. Like look at what Cudby does. Take that trip to Asia <laughs> or Nepal or, or wherever and, and go motorcycle riding. Just go see it. Go to the race. Go wherever. It it might be pretty expensive, mm-hmm. but really, if you break it down, it might be the same as like a Disney World vacation for some people or to do all these things that we might normally do on a vacation. You could find out a way to do it fairly inexpensive, and, and it'd be something you would never forget. And I, I really hope that more people maybe read my articles or see what I do or see what other people do and think like, man, i I Look at how much fun motorcycles are over there. I have to go. Yeah, definitely. I have to go try that. Definitely. Well, man, I appreciate you doing this for me, and uh, it was really great talking to you again. And, uh, man, like I said, thank you very much. Well, no worries, dude. I hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Well, I'll be at A1 for sure, and uh, Glendale, those two I'm already booked to go to. So I'll uh, I'll see you there, man. All right. Well, I'll be there. All right, I'll Anton. talk to you soon, Dark Side. Okay, thanks, man. Later, buddy. See ya.